G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. We have got the wonderful privilege of having the founder of the Church and State Summit joining us here in the studio, Dave Pello. Dave, welcome along. Thank you, Neil. I don't know about wonderful privilege, but uh, it's a kind introduction. Thank you. Uh, Dave, it is a wonderful privilege. Let me just uh, send a compliment or two your way. Uh, I know you as a fearless advocate for the Christian gospel. And uh, when that comes into conflict with uh, all sorts of issues, uh, where things are being taken down, where there are challenges, where there is legislation being changed, uh, I want to thank you for your uh, courageous effort in being a voice that will uh, oppose those things and look for new ways to be able to represent what a Christian biblical morality is. So, And I know what that's the, op- that's the, uh, the essence of what happens in the Church and State Summit too. Mm-hmm. It's not just for fun. It's not just to have a few people standing up and talking about politics. This is about real social interaction that leads to change. Yeah, that that's the heart of it, and um, and I guess my motivation and inspiration is the same as everybody else's who um, puts a hand in their pocket and helps cover the costs of the day, comes along and and sits under the brilliant teaching that's available from so many people uh, throughout the day, and that is that we want to make a practical difference in the justice and welfare of our neighbours. That is every Australian around us, um, and. The gospel is the best way to to do that, but not just not just the teaching of the gospel within the four walls of the church on Sunday, but the living out of the gospel in a practical way that changes people's lives as well as our cities and nation. You always have an outstanding lineup of speakers, and uh, for listeners who heard Frank Turek just a few moments ago, uh, he'll have an opportunity on the Church and Summit Day uh, to do a live stream. Uh, connection with your audience and of course that'll be live streamed Mm. to everyone who has the live stream option too uh, if they're subscribing on the internet correct there is a part of that a q and a session so uh, the opportunity for listeners today to even ask their own question on the day when frank is doing a presentation look we we wanted to have him for a, a very long time and we're just so grateful for the time that he is investing in australia um but we've only got him for an hour. And so what we've actually done is everybody who's bought a ticket, we've sent them a video that's nearly two hours of Frank Turek uh, doing his his talks and his explanations and his teaching on apologetics. And so the bulk of the session at the Church and State Summit will actually be the follow-up to watching all of that content and getting all of that teaching. And they will be, most of it will be asking questions and we'll be uh, able to tackle the the difficult ones. There might be a lot of faithful Christians in the audience who don't necessarily doubt or have a lot of skepticism, but they will no doubt have, especially young people, university-age people, teenagers in their lives, uh, and they will know the questions that are being asked by their family and friends this year, 
and certainly be able to bring those and put that to Frank and, and say, how do we answer this as confidently as you always do? He always he frequently starts with a hostile audience in American universities and schools, and uh, it's only initially hostile because he wins them over with facts, evidence, data, logic, and, and, and reason, uh, not religion and, and dogma, but he actually meets them where they're at because you can reverse engineer truth to end up at God. Is this the fourth year or this is the fifth year of a Church and State Summit? Now, what is really significant is for the Church and State Summit that's coming up on Saturday is that this is an election year in Australia. Mm. Uh, we've talked a little bit earlier about the South Australian state election. You might not be across the detail there, but I know that you'll be thinking through the issues of the federal election. And so when you have a lineup of speakers... Uh, the lineup you've got scheduled for Saturday, uh, are they speaking into the issues that we are moving towards with a federal election coming up probably in May? Yeah, certainly. Um, we, we do try and cover both the content that we haven't covered before um, because so many topics are evergreen. Uh, they, they are always relevant. Um, but we also try and be relevant to the the context of, of the year that we're in. And, and so... Uh, what we've seen in recent years, uh, probably since the, the Trump phenomena, um, but even more so since the COVID phenomena, is is just some really different uh, behaviour from electors and voters. And, and electoral upsets and surprises are not an infrequent thing. And, I mean, even just the surprise that so many people in Australia were so willing to give up so many of their freedoms for so little reason so quickly uh, is just mind-boggling. And I know for a fact that the politicians themselves, the National Cabinet, were surprised by the immediate and initial cooperation. Australia has always looked like the sort of nation where the people would be, uh, you know, that slight little, you know... uh, uh, little level of arrogance there in a nice way would stand up to someone taking their freedoms away. As you say, uh, even politicians have been surprised how quickly Australians rolled over with freedoms. Freedoms are going to be, no doubt, one of the key themes that a lot of the speakers will will address. Yeah, certainly. We've got uh, Kurt Malberg, um, who is going to be talking about a Christian response to covid uh, in all of these things, we don't want to bring our biases, and, and we can't help bring our biases and prejudices to it, but that's not we want, what we want. What we want to do is look into the Word of God as a mirror and, and, and assess ourselves. You know, how, what are we seeing in the Word of God in Christianity? And uh, sadly, there have been some sectors, small and I'd like to think fringe sectors in uh, intellectual Christianity in Australia, who have uh, condemned the motives of people who are advocating for freedom as selfish and uh, unloving. And uh, that's simply not the case at all. It's simply not the case at all. And so we need to go back to the Bible and the Word of God and, and then say, okay, well, you know, A, let's try and understand where other people are coming from a little more charitably than they try to understand us. But let's, most of all, see what God says about these issues. And is it as black and white as some would uh, make out? 
When you've got a lineup the way you have, and Will might go through the list after the news, not straight away, but when you've got a lineup like you have, some people who are going to be speakers, they're primarily politically minded, uh, you know, politically savvy people, others who might be pastors or theologians, you've got people who are experts in their level of ethics or in their level of philosophy. There's a whole lot of different dimensions to the things that people bring. When you've got them all on the one program, when you've got them all on in the one room, Dave. Mm. Does this bring out the best in everyone? Is everyone there shaping the other? And is there a certain level of maturity that comes out of out of a church and state summit like this, where you know that everybody's sort of on the same page and they understand these different dimensions? We're not always on the same page. Uh, I mean, the the thing that we're on the same page about is Jesus is Lord. We all start with that common confession, but there are Roman Catholics and and Protestants. There's Presbyterians and Pentecostals. Uh, there's former Labor government ministers and current uh, coalition uh, members of parliament as well. There's We're not all on the same page. What we are all on the same page about is Scripture is our compass. Scripture is our true north. And, and, and yes... That does bring us into a better place than you see in the public square where there's just this backbiting and nastiness on social media and and even in the parliament chamber because, I mean, I was just so blessed by last year's summit which there was some criticisms of, which were totally inaccurate. Again, we might come back to that after the news, because we're about to break for news. Save that thought and that story, Dave. We're discussing things around the Church and State Summit. Uh, It's all very nice to say political, and some people get turned off by that. But when we have this this connection between our faith and politics, recognising that it's not just a church that needs to change, but an entire nation. It all of a sudden comes into focus. Uh, What are your thoughts about what perhaps the nation of Australia needs to hear and perhaps will hear loud and clear at the Church and State Summit? Well, well, for a start, they can't hear anything if people are turned off by hearing the word political. Um, I mean, that... Frankly, it's intellectually small to be so easily turned off a topic and close your ears to potential teaching. Uh, I mean, eat the fish, spit out the bones, sure. There might be some things that you want to pray about and and think that we got wrong. Fine, do that. But to close your mind altogether to the concept that the church and the prophetic voice of the church belongs in the public square is uh, unteachable. And it's a immature Christian attitude that... um, needs to be corrected. Uh, But that's exactly why we all come together with a diversity of political and denominational backgrounds with one common agreement and confession that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Saviour and the only answer for Australia and our neighbours. And that's exactly what the critics of last year's summit missed entirely, is that in all of all of their you know, nitpicking, there was this absolutely beautiful thing that Holy Spirit was doing in our nation and in that conference. Um, and that involved uh, Roman Catholic um, archbishops, cardinals and, and uh, you know, Pentecostals and Anglicans and, and Presbyterians. And there was this sweet fellowship, even to the point of being able to rib and tease each other like close siblings 
Um, it was just such a, a great and, and sweet atmosphere. But, uh, you know, this is exactly what Australia needs, a unified church. And look, from some traditions, the, the concept of ecumenicism is almost a dirty word because it, it seems to sound too much like compromise and false teaching. But what was Jesus praying for when he asked God that we would be one just like the Trinity is one? That unity is clearly an important element, and without unity there is no strength. And uh, when you say people nitpicking at last year's conference, my suspicion is that any time you have a conference with the range of speakers that you've got lined up as you have this year, uh, there'll be people who might squirm in their seat when they hear some things that come from some of those uh, those uh, present uh, presenters. Uh, that would be the norm, wouldn't it? Because you wouldn't want everyone uh, coming and agreeing with one another on every little point. It's not the norm because uh, we in Christianity uh, have developed a, a soft version. I don't want to be harsh when I say this. I don't mean this in the extent that it's frequently used, but we have echo chambers, uh, and we we don't cross pollinate very often. We only invite speakers from our own denomination or even from our own congregation so often. And uh, one of the things this ministry has just helped me love is the body of Christ, large and wide and and varied. And yeah, we've we've got some problem kids, but but. That doesn't mean they can't teach us anything. That doesn't mean there's not areas that they've got down pat that we need to work on. Anyone who puts their hand up or who speaks up are going to find that there are supporters and critics. And even the people who might be on the side we think are all right, uh, they're going to be attacked. They're going to be shot down. Uh, And those on the other side, we might be uh, the ones who are feeling like we want to attack or we want to shoot down. So there is a, a battle of ideas that happens. And when it's happening under one roof, you've got a whole lot of really wonderful speakers who are contributing into a church and state summit. It almost becomes like a, a live animal. Uh, you, you're not necessarily exactly sure which way it's going to go, especially right. when you've got a, a Frank Turek taking Q&A questions yeah. uh, from the audience or perhaps even uh, from people who might be on the live stream. You've got an opportunity there to air whatever is important to you and you're going to get some great responses. I mean, there were speakers, I loved all of the speakers every year, but some of the speakers last year said some things that either challenged me or I still disagree with. Um, and I love that because I have to rethink my position, re-examine it in light of Scripture and, and other Christian counsel. Uh, and that is sharpening and that is, that is what we're meant to do. And, and it, it helps form our Christian character better by having to negotiate conflict with each other. It's not in the least bit unbiblical. There was massive conflict in the New Testament church over and over again, public and private and at high levels as well as low levels. This is the life of the church, and to hide from this or run from this is intellectual and spiritual cowardice. It sounds to me, with the speakers that you've got lined up this year, that an ordinary Christian listener to our conversation, uh, if they were jumping into what's happening on Saturday... Uh, it would be like a baptism of fire. You'd find out what's going on because people won't hold back. They'll give their impression of what's happening in Australia, 
Perhaps their impression of what's happening in the church, their impression of what's happening in the corridors of power and how the Christian influence actually makes an effect on that. Ordinary people, what sort of feedback do you get from ordinary people who's, you know, maybe they're not political animals, but they're actually joining in with a live stream on the Church and State Summit? What effect does it have on them? Nobody expresses discomfort. I mean, they've got to have some idea of what they're getting into before they come to a church and state summit. And the name says a lot already. And so if they look at the program and the speakers and the descriptions of each topic, there's not a huge surprise. But some of the common, common feedback is if I had have known it was going to be like this, I would have brought more people. Um, It's just a common thing. It breaks my heart in a way because I wish they had have brought more people Um, because this is... Not, I really, really want the flesh crucified in this. I don't want this to be human, man-made, confected. I, this should be scriptural, biblical, theological, ecclesiological. This is all about the church doing what we're called to do. And the reason it's exciting and refreshing for people who didn't know what was going to be going on is because this is part of our, uh, our teaching um, I wonder, this is part of our dogma that we've neglected um, for a long time, and that is the prophetic voice of the church to society. Martin Luther King has some great quotes, and I wish I could get you the exact words right now. I've shared it with your audience before, but basically saying that if the church doesn't speak into these public justice issues that are going on, uh, that it risks being called an atrophied will and an atrophied church, uh, useless and powerless by the observers on the outside, but it's actually going to be seen as light on a hill full of love and warmth when we speak up for, for these issues that people are facing day to day. You're holding the Church and State Summit in a church. Some will say, well, you could have held that in a conference centre, something like a neutral venue, but you've chosen to hold it in a church. Is there significance in that at all, Dave, or is it just that, uh, hey, we had a great venue here? Uh, we are very uh, uh, government honouring as Christians, and uh, the government regulations this year say that uh, if we all gather in the same place and it's a private venue hire called a conference centre, um, then there's huge risk of virus transmission. Um, so we want to honour the government there, uh, and Harvest Point Church is hosting us uh, a place of worship And, of course, the virus um, respects places of worship um, and there's no risk of transmission there. So the government regulations permit us to have the same crowd in the same capacity and density as a congregation worshipping God and teaching from the Word of God, which is exactly what we're doing. Uh, We planned on being in a conference centre this year and basically to fit everybody in. Uh, And we plan on being in a conference centre next year. Um, government regulations permitting. One of your speakers who I featured as a guest on 2020, must be a week or even a week and a half ago, uh, Pastor Daniel Hagen. Now, he's a pastor, and uh, I remember the essence of our conversation, and uh, I remember capturing, capturing something of his heartbeat. A pastor who is courageous enough uh, to mix in political issues into his pulpit preaching, not to displace the uh, preeminence of the gospel, but to connect that gospel with what's happening in the real life of his community. 
Is there something we can learn from Daniel Hagen, perhaps, uh, you know, before, I mean, for listeners uh, who want to go along and be a part of the Church and State Summit, you'll hear him personally. Mm. And I I think uh, look forward to hearing what he has to say. But for listeners right now uh, thinking my pastor would not uh, mix politics into the pulpit, how do you see that, Dave? Define your terms. Um, Most pastors, when they use the word politics, think Labour liberal. Red, blue. Uh, when I use the term politics, I I think kingdom, Lord, justice, liberty. These are the hallmarks of the good news that Jesus came to preach. He said so himself, as he read from the scrolls in Isaiah. This is uh, not just uh, spiritual blessing and future benefit, future hope for the believer. This is good news for people outside the kingdom of God here and now. You don't have to believe in... I was saying this to my hairdresser. Uh, they were asking me about, uh, do I believe in God and Christianity this week? And um, it was a really great witnessing time in, in the salon there, all by ourselves with three hairdressers and undivided attention. But I'm like, you don't need to believe in God to benefit from his design for gravity. It, it just works for everybody. And it's the same in a nation. When we preach the good news and we preach the kingdom of God and we bring God's values and God's justice to our public square, the whole nation benefits. As the Bible says, righteousness exalteth a nation. That's not just those who go to church on Sunday. That's everybody. And so if we have that justice, freedom, liberty, integrity in government and and politicians, parliaments full of people who acknowledged that we humbly rely on the blessings of Almighty God, who is higher power than us, what a novel approach and what a great way to exalt Australia and everybody in it. That's the good news of the gospel. And that is really easy for a pastor to preach Sunday in and out without offending people and dividing people any more than the word of God already does. Well, I must compliment your hairstylist on what a good job they did. (laughs) Hey, Jesus, uh, Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 19, uh, he opened the scroll in the synagogue and began to read. And we'll often think of the words that Jesus spoke when he opened the scroll and referred to, I think it's Isaiah. Uh, He read the words, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news Mm. to the poor. So there's an impoverished uh, audience, He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, those who are bound in whatever they are bound in, recovery of sight to the blind, healing for people, uh, setting the oppressed free, uh, overcoming those issues of oppression that we uh, can largely even see, even creeping in here in Australia, and proclaiming the year of the Lord's favour. Some people say that's like Jesus setting out his mission And when I read those words, I can't help but think that's a statement uh, which really needs a political response for anything to happen. Otherwise, you're just praying a nice prayer into the air. Of course, that is all primarily a scriptural, uh, sorry, a spiritual uh, emphasis from Jesus. But of course, there's also a secondary meaning, which is deeply political and practical and here and now as reiterated by Jesus' prayer when he taught us to pray, Heavenly Father, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's a here and now gospel. It's a here and now kingdom. And it's a here and now benefit for those people. Something that God has been uh, showing me recently 
is that this kingdom is not for the benefit of those in it. This kingdom is for the benefit of those who are not yet in it. And exactly why Jesus told the parable of the good shepherd who leaves the 99 and goes after the one. All of the kingdom's resources, you and I, should be focused on extending the benefit and blessings and membership of the kingdom to those who are without that one person. And that is certainly the opportunity that politics has to offer us, to bring people into the kingdom. I mean, we can see very clearly right now, to get onto another topic, but just the tip of it, because it's an iceberg, is the religious discrimination bill. There is a platform for preaching the gospel in Christian schools that is currently being sought to be taken away from Christians. You can't teach your children Christian values. You can't insist on a Christian environment for your Christian schools that you pay for and is private and not forced on anybody. They're trying to take that away. Politics creates a platform for the gospel. And when there is freedom and liberty and justice in the nation, as there is in the kingdom of God, there is the maximum opportunity for the preaching of the gospel, the conversion of the sinners, uh, preaching repentance That's what the nation needs to hear. But if we don't get the politics right, we will have the same outcome as North Korea. The politics is important. You yourself, Dave Pellow, you'll have an opportunity to bring an element of an address to the Church and State Summit. And uh, from what I understand, you are going to be talking about some of these sorts of issues, about the need for revival. There's a political response and there's something that can happen in the people of God and an awakening across a nation that can make all the difference. Uh, Revival and repentance. I heard heard you say those words in these last couple of minutes. Mm. Uh, This is going to be an essential element of your own presentation uh, at the Church and State Summit. Yeah, people um, who are not students of the great revivals of history uh, often fail to understand that all of them had political implications. They they weren't just uh, they weren't just you're a sinner who needs to be saved. Come to Jesus and see you on Sunday. They had social implications. They said you have to stop behaving in certain ways. You have to increase your morality as a society, as a nation. And the great awakenings, the great revivals of nations, were amongst the sinners, not the saints. And and that's who we need to be preaching to. And it is that you need to hear the word of the Lord. You need to hear the gospel. You need to hear that God is your moral judge and those who believe in him are saved, but those who don't believe in him are already condemned. John three eighteen. That's exactly what the nation needs to hear. And, and if we want to see revival in our nation, then we cannot separate the conversation about people's spiritual condition from the nation's political condition. You can't separate the conversation. And so that's what I'm going to be sharing. Is I mean, even just the fact that so many Christians these days have wanted to see government as the solution to everything suffocates the chance for revival because government isn't the solution to everything. We, we see the... Um, the Surgeon General in America several years ago diagnosed an epidemic of loneliness and social disconnection. We see uh, the government in England introduced a minister for loneliness. And, I mean, these are sad, and sometimes they seem pathetic because, like, toughen up, take a teaspoon of concrete. But the church has the solution to those things. The kingdom of God, the gospel, has the solution to those things. And those things uh, drive people 
to all kinds of behaviours which which let government become idolised and take far more authority uh, and priority than they should do. When what the church should be preaching is that Jesus is the answer, uh, that this community called the church is the answer and, and his message for, for reaching the lonely and for ministering to those people who are socially disconnected. And and then we get to put government in its proper place. We get to put God in its proper place. We get to give the church the authority that God gave the church and the government no more authority than God gave the government. Uh, that's definitely uh, a... a a teaching that I won't have enough time to unpack, but I hope to scratch the surface of uh, with 20 minutes on Saturday night. Exciting to think about getting the context right, putting God in his proper place and everything else underneath in that sense of how it all functions together. Hey, we have run out of time, but uh, you've still got a few spare seats uh, for listeners who would like to uh, register to be a part of this Saturday's Church and State Summit. Uh, Dave, uh, you've got a venue. Uh, it's going to be a great venue, the ha- uh, the Harvest Point Church, Bow Desert, just south of Brisbane. Uh, is there a spare seat if there are listeners who want to register to be a part of that personally, sitting there and listening to these speakers face-to-face? I was speaking to somebody today who wanted... Um uh, wanted a seat and told me that he wanted three. I'm like, then you need to get a ticket. And he's like, yeah, but I'm telling you. I'm like, no, <laughs> you need to get a ticket and you need to save it. We are running out fast. At this stage, uh, we're well over 400. And um, yes, there are some, there's about 82 left. And I hope most of those are gone by Saturday. But if there's any spare, you want to roll the dice, um, it will be free on Saturday night um, from 7 p.m., um, if there are any spare seats. But grab a ticket and make sure you don't miss out. Now, not everyone is in southeast Queensland, uh, where the summit will be just south of Brisbane. Uh, those in northern New South Wales might see it as a, you know, a drive up and be a part of the Church and State Summit. We've got listeners uh, listening to our conversation now in Perth, WA, or uh, in the southern regions of Western Australia, up into the Kimberley, those who are in the Northern Territory and, and perhaps even in Arnhem Land who are thinking, well, uh, I'm a long way from there. There's no way I could get to a church and state summit. What about those who are in Tasmania and saying, oh, it's on in Queensland. How can I be a part of that? The live stream option creates all sorts of opportunities for people everywhere, doesn't it? It does, yeah. And whether you're coming or can't get here, uh, you should get the videos um, and and the live stream option. Live stream obviously has a, a time sensitivity to it, but uh, within a month, the whole videos will be available and there's going to be extra content, extra sessions in there that aren't in the program that we can't fit in the day. We're doing 15 sessions in one day this Saturday. Um, absolutely worth every dollar, but there's going to be an extra couple of sessions uh, that will be recorded um, because we just can't fit them in. We can't fit any more in one day. But there's so much more to teach. But they will be part of the video package um, that everybody should get, uh, which you can also get from the website. Okay, to register, uh, either to be there in person or to get that live stream, Church and State dot com dot au church and state dot com dot au dave pellow always a pleasure and uh, all the best for the conference the summit on saturday uh, thanks for for sharing your thoughts and your heart with us today on 2020 thank you sir 
Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.